Iowa everywhere. Um, we'd love to tell you what this podcast is about, but the truth is, we don't know. The CW Pod, at home on Iowa Everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed, seedsmanship at work. All right, welcome to a Saturday installment of the CW Pod, a very rare Saturday episode, but we owe you guys. I it killed me. It's just classic. It it happens every time. And my buddy Chad Lysico from the Des Moines Register is with me here. How many times when you've been on vacation or whatever, just just all hell breaks loose? <laughs> yeah, like the last one we were on. Yeah, every <laughs> everybody got well, not everybody, but both kids got sick. We're like running to Walgreens, oh. Walgreens to get a prescription that we called in back here to like before we go to our next place and just like, oh, mm. do we have enough fluids? And so yeah, how about what was your <laughs> what was your uh, disaster? Well, it's just the Colorado thing, you know. We <laughs> oh, literally, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the minute we got to the Lake of the Ozarks, I'm not, I hadn't really looked at my phone since I'd been driving, and pulled this thing up, and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna happen like now. So then it's just, you know, it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck thing. That's a huge story. These conferences don't add members very often. And it's it's something, too, that I've kind of somehow assumed the position of, like, I, I, I do a lot on this. Like, it's there kind of do. my wheelhouse. And so you can't just disappear. <laughs> like, I I legitimately planned on not looking at my phone hardly at all on this trip, and then it just turned into just you know how it is you're sending out a million texts a day you're you're constantly looking for information and then so this will be a story now for the next month because you know it's not over with as far as what the big 12 is going to do you so the purpose of this podcast is to break down big 10 media days because you've been in indianapolis and I have a whole page of notes here because i i really like i was my plan was to be down there and I was going to follow along and just really geek out on college football and help me help mentally prepare myself for the season. And it turns out that all I did was realignment stuff the entire well, time I was there. We should probably talk about it, right? <laughs> well, what, what, real quick, what, when you were in Indianapolis, how much chatter was there about realignment? I know the new commissioner was asked about it, but. Mm-hmm. This, this Colorado thing starts to shift, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the conversation goes, what's next? And kind of what's next has always been predetermined by what the Big Ten would do with Washington and Oregon and if they're going to do anything. But from what I have read, Chad, from that new commissioner is that there's not really much anticipated movement at this time. Yeah, that was kind of the takeaway from the expansion front. From Indianapolis, uh, Tony Petiti, the new Big Ten commish, says they're just focused on U- USC, UCLA, obviously coming into the conference next year. So that'll give the Big Ten 16 teams. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the first thought that came into my mind was, okay, well, now what about Oregon and Washington? What happens with them once you get the Colorado news? And uh, I don't know. That's a – I don't think the Big Ten is going to try to expand anymore. I think that was more of a Kevin Warren thing, I feel Mm -hmm. like. And I feel like the Big Ten likes the fact that it has 16 along with the SEC having 16. I feel like both conferences feel, I don't know, it seems like they feel like they're in a good spot with exactly 16. And I don't know, what do you think? I mean, does the Big 12 now maybe have a thirst to get to 16 as well? Because this gets them to 13 next year, right? So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think they'll stop at 13 now. I think that they'll get to 14 for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, who that's going to be is the question. But I, I really do think this opens up conversations with Oregon and Washington at the end of the day for the Big yeah. 12. I, I think that'd be awesome, actually. I mean, I really do. I think Arizona is their clear cl- target for that 13 spot because – Throughout this whole time, Arizona and Colorado have been open in conversation with the Big 12. 
there was mutual interest there where the rest of those eight schools, there wasn't much. Well, now, you know, I think your mark was kind of counting on once he can get one of those to bite Mm -hmm. that others would come. I think Arizona will join the league. And then the question will be, I, I do think though, Chad, like that a lot of these media companies, specifically ESPN right now, I don't know how crazy they are about paying more schools. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they haven't been bidding on the Pac-12. But if you can all of a sudden be like, well, we can get Oregon and Washington and then it's over, like that's a pretty different deal compared to, oh, right. we're going to add UConn and Utah. Or, right? Like it's a totally different thing. So I I think that there, I know the Pac or the Big 12 presidents had a meeting on Saturday morning. I don't know what they talked about. I know they met. Um, I gun to my head. I think Arizona's in the league within the next 14 days, and then wow. we'll see about the others after that. But they, you know, it's a it's a fluid thing, and you know how this is when you when you cover realignment. Like you just got to learn. You can't really trust anybody. They're all liars. <laughs> They're all trying to use you in one way or the other. <laughs> like, like some of these national guys, it's like, oh, but this guy just said this a week ago at Pac-12 Media Days. Yeah, because they're liars. These yeah. people are always lying to us. <laughs> That's so what Mike, they do. My question is now, I mean, I think the Big 12 has done a really masterful job. Uh, you know, what was it? How long ago were we thinking, oh, my gosh, they might not even be a Big 12 anymore? It wasn't that long ago. Two, two years ago, we yeah. that was when Oregon or Oklahoma and Texas left, yeah. Yeah, and so now has has perhaps I'll ask this to you has has the Big Twelve almost put Oregon and Washington in, in a situation where they're going to be better off jumping to the Big Twelve than staying put, right? To to get more money, unless unless the Big Ten wants them, but I don't know. I just don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? I mean. Because I mean, if, if if Oregon and Washington are hearing from the Big Ten that they're not interested, why well, I don't understand why they wouldn't jump. Yeah, wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't that even bring more value to the Big Twelve TV deal oh, yeah. and and to themselves? I mean, other r- rather than staying in the in the Pac twelve, the one argument I'd make for those teams to stay mm-hmm. is if they know that they can have access to the playoff in their current deal. Sure. Because if I'm, let's say I'm Oregon, and I know that this watered down Pac-12 is still going to have access to the playoff, man, like I'm probably going to the playoff every other year. Sure. Yeah. So, but that, but then like, let's say that Arizona leaves, so they've got eight schools, and then they add SMU and San Diego State or UNLV, or are they still a P5 league? Right. Like I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I think that's something. And they, I think Oregon's probably a little different because of Phil Knight. But, yeah. like, can, can Washington afford to be like, oh, we're going to make $12 million less a year mm-hmm. in television? I, that's a pretty big ask for that athletic department, I think, especially compared to Oregon. So we're in really, really fascinating times. I think competitively for everybody, it's smarter to stay. Realignment generally doesn't work out very well for the teams leaving, but no, it doesn't. This one feels different, though. This feels like the whole, you know, musical chairs and whoever doesn't have a seat at the end might be screwed. So, yeah, the the UConn thing still intrigues me. It seems like the Big Te- Big Twelve Commission really likes them, um, but I don't know. I, I if you're the Pac-12, do you go get Boise State? Maybe, maybe Boise. I mean, that yeah. seems like. I don't know. Just try to get that, you know, late night. Um, the only problem with them package. is that their academics are so bad, and those like Stanford <laughs> okay. and Cal ADs are just the worst. You know, <laughs> they thumb their nose at everybody who's not okay. an Ivy League school. So yeah. that's from what I've been told why Boise is not. Apparently, Boise, and I don't know anything, and I don't care what their academics are. It means nothing to me. I just want to yeah. watch good football and basketball. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I guess their academics are like that of like a junior college. Okay. <laughs> well, so, yeah. I mean, that's we'll not see. that doesn't really jive with Stanford and Cal, and I get no. that. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk here about the Big Ten and Big Ten Media Days. A bunch of storylines coming out of your week in Indianapolis. We appreciated Chad giving us updates on our social media feeds. You can go and check those out. I want to thank our sponsors for our Big Ten and Big Twelve Media Day coverage. Kelderman Manufacturing. They are located down in Oskaloosa. I actually drove through Oskaloosa the other day. Thought about Jeff Kelderman and, and my guy Mark and all the good people down there. I want to tell you guys, specifically you farmers out there that are getting ready for harvest, you're already making your plans. If you got a problem this year and this happens all the time, well actually we've had we've had storms rip through a good chunk of north central Iowa last night. I was watching a dirt race in Marshalltown on on flow and they got rained out. But I want you to remember the Kelderman corn reel. They've been helping farmers get the mo- most out of storm damaged corn for over 45 years. It's science, folks. They've got this badass hydraulic drive that simplifies the system and allows you the ability to vary the speed of your corn reel. Jeff Kelderman's dad is the guy who invented this thing like 45 years ago, and they're going to help you prevent... Um, they're going to help you get the most out of damp, storm damaged corn. You got stuff break during harvest. I want you to remember our friends at Kelderman Manufacturing, the Kelderman down corn reel uh, they do really good work they do all kinds of other stuff laser tube cutting um, and they they do custom trucks that's my favorite thing i love going on their website kelderman.com and looking at all the badass suspension parts and all that stuff for trucks they are our sponsor for this so we thank them really quick chad i don't want to spend too much time on this because i want to talk football we it feels like Iowa and Iowa State might be in little different spots with the gambling thing. I think it's probably going to hit Iowa State harder from the vibe that I've gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, what it, did, did you learn anything about this at Iowa? I know Kirk Ferentz seems a little bit prickly on this topic, which I kind of appreciate the more I've gotten to know about how this whole thing has played out. But did you learn anything as far as timeline, players of that nature? Uh, still the only player is that we know of for sure is, is Noah Shannon, the 20, 27 game starter on, on Iowa's defensive line, defensive tackle. He's a sixth year senior. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, that also is arguably Iowa's deepest position. So, you know, if he misses one game, two games, three games, not the end of the world, as long as they're, they're healthy there, but he is like a team leader and, uh, he's really good. I mean, he's not like dynamic, you know. Uh, you know, like Lucas Van Ness type, but uh, you know, he's really good. Um, what did we learn? I mean, Kirk Ferentz was, yeah, he was like, uh, he was just sort of like, if you investigated every college football program, you know, in the country, you probably find a handful of guys, you know, that are gambling on sports. So that mm-hmm. was kind of his argument. And I think he's just, uh, you know, he's all about fairness. I mean, that's kind of, he's always talking about that. I mean, um, and I think that's kind of where, what bothers him is like Iowa and Iowa state. Uh, he said the other school, by the way, he didn't say Iowa state, but, um, Classic. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like the Ohio state guys just call the other team up. They just, they say up North, the up North game or whatever. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, it does not, he said that, there aren't anyone isn't anyone on the team to his knowledge that bet on Iowa. So given the latest, you know, in any sport, like there was rumors like, Oh, there were people betting on the Iowa women's game against South Carolina. Well, Ferentz basically, you know, put that to rest. I mean, he's like, I think I would know that by now if that were the case. So in that sense, we did learn something uh, that, uh, you know, for those that don't know, as long as you don't bet on your own school in any sport or on your sport. So like you can't bet on the, you know, Ohio state, Michigan football game or whatever, if you're a football player, um, then your suspensions are more based on, uh, dollar amounts. And I think they're still working through that, uh, Ferentz referenced a law firm that the players are working with. So they're kind of just going back and forth with the NCAA. Um, I would expect, uh, you know, no more than three or four games for anybody, um, you know, potentially, you know, if it's $200 or less, it's, you know, based on the NCAA is going to be just uh, education, no games missed. So um, that's kind of where things stand. 
he said hopefully by early August. That was what he said uh, in late August at the latest. But he doesn't know that. And that the, I, the problem, the problem, Chris, and it's the same for Iowa State. So um, I'm glad we're having this conversation. Is if the NCAA doesn't have a resolution by then, then they, all these guys are just indefinitely ineligible. Yeah, um, they just can't play. I mean, you can play them, but then, <laughs> but then you have to forfeit that game potentially if if you played a suspended Correct. person. So uh, that's what happened with the Iowa baseball team. You know, they all all four of those guys lost the last twenty or so games to their season. You know, and then you know uh, from one of them for sure, what I heard was very very minor um, of the four, like where he wouldn't have gotten any games. So um, it's I you just kind of hope they get a resolution, whatever it too. is. Uh, sometime this this coming month i i couldn't agree more i'm the more i'm learning about this the less of a fan i i mean i know these guys shouldn't be betting i'm not i'm not making excuses for them they're the way from what i'm gathering it's like if they were just like a normal person they wouldn't have even gotten like a speeding ticket over this stuff and at least for the underage aspect of it which we were told is why Mm -hmm. the investigation was launched and I, it doesn't seem very fair uh, to me to those guys that are going to have to miss time and you know and it, I get it like they screwed up they know they're not supposed to bet all that stuff it's just such a different world now I I just hate it but yeah and the what one do you do? Other, the other point that Ferentz did make and maybe I assume this is the same with Iowa State but all these guys can practice fully all, you know there's no they're not pulled from the program or anything like that so all these guys are like. You know, Noah Shannon's still first team on the depth chart. I mean, they're they're pra- they're going to be practicing come come Wednesday. Yeah, first practice. I think so. Iowa State handled it a little bit differently. Not saying better or worse. I don't really know, but I think that they're still like able to like eat and be around and lift mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I don't think they're participating. Yet. Okay, I, I I don't know. I don't quote me on that. We do have media day on. Um. Friday, right? Friday, yeah, yeah, Friday. When's yours? When's Iowa's? It's uh, later, right? A week, a week later than Iowa State, so August okay. 11th. Yep. Yeah, Iowa State's coming up on Friday. Yep. All right, let's talk some football. I, I love Ference's depth chart that came out with no Caleb Brown on it or or Seth <laughs> Anderson. So, like, yeah. It, so, so, Caleb Brown, if, if you're more casual he's that ohio state transfer that we did an emergency podcast for me and hassel did it's the only time we've done an emergency podcast via recruiting he's this guy's starting right i mean this is just ferentz saying you got to earn it during fall camp like everybody else does there's no way they play that first game and this guy's not a starter is there well i mean i wouldn't guarantee he's going to be a starter i mean he has one career catch for five yards but uh, you know, he was not one of the five receivers listed on the depth chart. Uh, there were two walk-ons on there, but you know, it's kind of walk-ons. Classic. Get fans. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's he's not practiced for the University of Iowa yet, and neither has and Seth Anderson missed all of spring practice, so he's the other transfer that wasn't on the depth chart either. So, um, and even Nick Jackson, I mean. Uh, the middle linebacker they brought in from Virginia. Yep. You yep. know, two two time captain of Virginia, all ACC linebacker. You know, he's listed second team. So, and then Ference even said, "Yeah, I I don't want to say it's a hundred percent sure, but but Jackson's going to be starting." So, and then on Brown, he did say, "You know, they're going to let it play out organically," and he would be surprised if Caleb Brown is not part of the mix. That's kind of how he put it. So. I don't know if he's going to actually start. I mean, that's sort of one of those, you know, Lucas Van Ness never started, you know. So uh, yeah. Iowa does things a little bit differently sometimes in terms of who starts. But uh, I would think he's going to be in the rotation. Iowa usually runs a rotation of like four guys, five guys. So be shocked if he's not in there based on what, what I've heard. Feels like these – these guys, uh, it's it's hard telling, and God, we've all we've all fallen into this trap so many times with Iowa, where we we start to listen and the oh man, we made so many changes. I mean, it's we're wide open now. Um, mm-hmm. We we did start to hear some of that about changes to the offense, and it's more aggressive. And what what is your buy-in level of like how how this thing could? could look different or is it just going to be you have a much better quarterback in Cade McNamara compared to 
a year ago. And and also, and we need to talk about the line too, because I know that was a huge mm-hmm. talking point coming out of that. Well, let me read you a, uh, a few quotes. Um, so back in the spring, some of the players we talked to were talking about, yeah, this, it looks different. We, you know, we're doing things differently in the past game. And then Brian Ferentz, you know, came came up uh, late April and was like, "We're going to do the same things we do. We're just going to do them better." That's was, you know. He goes, I don't know that there's any notable changes. If that's what the players think, that's super. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, right. but here's, so here's a quote from Big Ten Media Days from Luke Lachey. Okay, He says, Brian Ferentz has made a lot of good changes in the offense, <laughs> and I've seen a lot of things I really like. Going out there, you can tell. I'm talking to Nico Regani, who's been in the program for six years now. We talk, and we're just like, dang, this is really good. He sees that, and that's a really cool thing. That's what Luke Lachey said. So, who do you trust more, Brian Ferentz or the players? I trust the players. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Coaches lying to us through the media? No way. He, you know, uh, I, I mean, they just they just want to whatever they're changing. It's probably not going to be like super visible change. Like they're not going a, Wisconsin air raid. No, they're definitely not doing that. Um, you know, they're going to be basically running two tight end sets most of the year, but, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's going to be some kind of change. I mean, that's, you can't not change. And so I don't know. They're just, I'm sure they're just trying to keep it under wraps as long as possible. So, okay. Here's my read on, on Iowa, kind of an outsider, but we've talked so much about Caleb Brown and, and McNamara where I would make the argument that – so McNamara is different because he obviously – like there were a lot of games last year that it's just like if – really if you had a quarterback that could just put the ball there, like you're going to be a lot better offensively. It's not It's not rocket science. I, however, would say that the biggest key to this Iowa offense is the offensive line coming around and maturing. Everybody's back. They return like almost all their starts from last year. And I think those two tight ends are probably been overlooked because of all the wide receiver talk. You get the two wide receivers, but here's Eric all coming with McNamara. They they were kind of like a package deal, I guess, from from how I understand it. And you have Lachey. Like to me, you know, if I'm buying, if I'm doing like, if you if if you're doing a fantasy draft of the Iowa offense, you'd probably rather have Eric all than Caleb Brown. Wouldn't you? Yeah, at this point, yeah. I mean, I think Lachey and Aaron Eric all are, you know, they're two top targets at this point. I mean, they're they're not Hawkinson and Fant, but they're going to use them like them. I mean, yeah. uh, Luke Lachey is probably more like Fant, I would say, and Eric all is a little bit more of an inline type guy, but they're both. Uh, really good and uh Ferentz called Lachey one of the best tight ends in the country uh I talked to Luke's dad actually who's an Ohio State broadcaster and former NFL lineman and uh you know he's he basically said yeah Luke's actually six seven they list him six six but um there's just a lot I mean he's he's just kind of a different type of tight end you know like a long glider he like he never drops the ball like Laporta actually had drops like Lachey doesn't drop the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. You know, we haven't seen enough of Eric All to like convincingly say he's going to be awesome. But everyone says this guy's the real deal. So, um, I mean, heck, he. I mean, he caught the game-winning, whatever, fifty-some yard touchdown at Penn State a couple years ago. I mean, that you know, he caught a touchdown in the Big Ten Championship game against Iowa. So, um, you know, I think he's pretty good, and he, he's healthy now. He had a back injury last year, so. Uh, I was kind of taking advantage of that, and I think too. It's just you just look at the history of this offense, and there's it's probably somewhere in the middle. The players are probably really amped up, and then you know that Brian is probably really, you know, keeping it to a minimum. It's probably somewhere in the middle, but this. How many times have we seen Iowa fans just get all amped up about these receivers, and it rarely turns out to be what you want it to be? Yeah. But these tight ends, like that's where I would buy the stock in right now because now the line you wrote in your column uh, that Kirk Ferentz is bullish, or at least that was the the headline. Yeah. 
I wrote that too. Wrote the headline. Okay, I thought you did. Yeah, <laughs> I have it in quotes here as I jotted it down. So, well, they, re- they return all five starters. Now I can go two ways with that. One, well, they weren't very good, so is that a good thing? Right. But also at that position, development is just so key. You look back at some of these great Iowa lines, and it's just four and five year guys often. What are you like one to ten? Like if they let's say last year they were a three. Just throwing that out there. I mean, what do you think they mm-hmm. – what's realistic this year if this line really takes the steps that Kirk Ferentz is hoping for? Uh, seven maybe, I would say. Okay. Um, yeah, that's you know, fair. I think, I think uh, to expect them to be some elite offensive line, I don't think we saw any evidence of that last year. I mean, you just want them to take a jump into competency. Uh, you know, the, the couple examples that he used, Ferentz used at Big Ten Media Days, I'll, I'll share here were Logan Jones and Connor Colby. So, you know, Connor Colby is a two-year starter, but he was still just a true sophomore last year. Um, They tried him a right tackle. That They finally moved him inside, and they're going to keep him inside now. So he he played guard like the second half of the year. Uh, He was getting kind of torched at right tackle by Michigan um, and Ohio State, and then they finally moved him inside. But um, the – you know, Ferentz's thing was like, even though he's a two-year starter, like he's only been in the program two years. He played as a true freshman. Um, so it's like that was kind of – that's what Ferentz is talking about. Like a year three, year four, year five, that's when you start kind of hitting your stride as an offensive lineman. He's like you can't microwave this stuff. and just You can't just – you know, he kind of talked about like, you know, when you're young, all you see is what's in front of you. When you get older, mm-hmm. you know what's going on everywhere, you know, like around you. You know all the – and that's why, I mean, you. it was the worst combination possible last year, right? I mean, a, an offensive line that missed a lot of assignments, defensive lines and linebackers that knew Iowa's line was young, so they threw everything at them and yeah. a quarterback that couldn't move. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, right. there's just – and you didn't really have receivers on top of that. So – uh, really just a an awful combination um so you know if, if you can like you said bring that from a three to a seven this year you know mason richmond will be in his third year as a starting left tackle um connor colby will be in his third year they bring in two senior transfers and rusty feth and dejon parker and then the logan jones example which i'll finish up on i mean he was uh converted defensive lineman like last year was his actual first year playing offensive line ever so and he was starting in iowa's first game and um you know they believe he got a lot better as the season went on he's he has the program record all positions for uh the one single rep squat press of Mm. six six ninety five six hundred ninety five pounds uh, it's like a converted thing, but still, it's the program record at any Which position. Which is big in that program because yeah, strength and right. conditioning has been such an <laughs> emphasis for so long. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Ference is like, he just does everything right. I would be – he was basically – summing up what Ference said is like, I would be shocked if he's not way better this year um, just as a second-year center. So, um, and he's like, yeah, even – I mean – he said, I would say even Tristan Wirfs is way better in year three than he was in years one and two. And, you know, we know Wirfs was kind of a freak in that sense. You know, a guy that played right away and was pretty effective. So I think that's where you're getting into. All these guys now are at least in their third year of playing other than Logan Jones, who they're like insanely high on. So, you know, that's that's where I, that's what I took away as my number one takeaway the whole weekend was just Ference is optimistic about the old line. And that should be. That should be encouraging to Iowa fans because if, if that's working, mm-hmm. then Caleb then Caleb Johnson, the running back, I mean, he actually was pretty effective last year with no blocking. So if he can have blocking, that helps. Mac, keeping McNamara healthy helps a ton. And then you got the two tight ends, like like I mentioned. I mean, they had two good tight ends last year too, but uh, that was pretty much all they had last year. I have one more hit on Iowa, and then I want to get into some of this Big Ten stuff. It's the linebackers. Like – I. And I certainly don't claim to be an expert here, but like they lost a lot uh, as far as some transfer, you know, all that all that stuff that happened in the off season. You right. bring in Jackson that you referenced from Virginia. I get. I guess my whole thing is like 
is it possible for them to be as good as they were defensively a year ago? Like it, it seems cause they were so good, and they had a they had a worse schedule last year though. So maybe you don't even have to be. Maybe you're not going to be as. There's no way you're as bad as you were on offense last year. I guess I'm just kind of looking like a base. If that defense, okay, we'll use this again. If that defense was a ten last year. With the schedule getting better and the offense getting better, man, I feel like if it's a seven and a half or an eight, you're still in ten win territory. Is that fair? Yeah, I th- yeah. I think I think I would say last year's defense was a ten. I mean, you're number yeah. one in the country in in several categories, number two in several um, pass and run. So, uh, but yeah, you you lose you know a first round pick in Jack Campbell. You lose a third-round pick in Riley Moss. You lose Kayvon Merriweather, Seth Benson, both probably going to be on at least practice teams in the NFL. And then you lose first-round pick Lucas Van Ness. So um, the, the, you bring up the linebackers. I am – I think it's a fair concern, a, a valid concern, that the back seven does not have much depth. So at least not yet. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know who's going to be good behind these guys. They don't have – like you feel okay about the seven starters right now, um, Jackson, Higgins, Castro, uh, obviously DeGene, uh, Wampa, Schulte, and Jamari Harris, who was a starter two years ago. Those seven you feel pretty good about, but if there's injuries, there's not anything proven at all behind any of them, like none. So I think that could be a real concern. I mean, Iowa – was pretty healthy last year on defense. That helped a ton. Which is shocking as much as they were on the field. Yeah, right. Right? Like <laughs> That's it, what's, it, yeah, you're right. The whole thing's just crazy. I mean, because that offense just goes three and out every right. time. Yeah. And I know I the defense scored a lot, but, man, like <laughs> not at the rate that that offense was going three and out. Yeah. And when you score, you're back on the field anyway. Again, so. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Great point. <laughs> Stupid me. Yeah, just like I think we all – got overwhelmed and fans want us to talk about the offense because that like fans always want you to talk about what sucked and then how it can get better. Like that's just how we're wired. Okay. Like I admittedly, like as a Vikings fan, I'm way more into the off season when I know that we didn't make the playoffs the year before. Cause then I can study the draft and I can, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's why recruiting is such a hot topic. And I think all of us, fans and media alike, probably, I don't know, like we, we just, I think we spent, what, 80% of our time on the offense yeah, in this yeah. offseason because of that Easy. contract, that, that stipulation on Brian. Like, you know, it's just been all this stuff. Get this Ohio State transfer. These two guys are coming from Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and like Justin Jacobs transfers, we didn't hit on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, there, there's got to be – Phil Parker is one of the five best coordinators in the country. There's no doubt in my mind. But, man, there's just a lot of guys that weren't on that defense last year. So I, I think that'll be fascinating. The offense better be better because, I again, like I just – calling a spade a spade, I don't know how they're as good. Like how do you top that? How do you top what they were able to do last year? Yeah, I'll be surprised. I, I agree. So yeah, it's I, I think people are probably overlooking that a little bit because you think ah oh, Phil Parker's defense is going to be it's yeah, always because they're always right? good. So it, maybe that maybe they will be, but yeah. I just don't know if they're going to be. You're right. I don't think they're going to be at that ten this year. I'd be surprised. I mean, you lost Van Ness. I mean, Van Ness was really really good. <laughs> like these are really good guys. These are yeah. Pros. Yeah. So 13th like I, pick, man. All right. Uh, thanks to our friends at Channel Seed. We're in the Channel Seed studios again recording here on a Saturday. CW Pod presented, as always, by our friends at Circa Sports, Circa Sports Iowa. Chris Hassel and I will be out in Vegas for week zero. We'll be doing some shows. Um, some. It won't be completely gambling-based. It'll be really the um, last look at the Hawks and the Clones when I'm out there in Vegas. But we will do some some sports betting shows with a lot of the experts I can get my hands on out in Vegas. Chad, that'll have to be a deal that you join me on sometime. One of our trips to Circa and that sports book is yeah. incredible. You yeah, just, I've, I've seen your uh, shows from there. It looks amazing. Yeah, no, you'll have to, you'll have to tag along with us sometime. It's it's, we got to go out there last year for the sweet 16 and the elite eight weekend. And it was awesome. Did shows wow. out there and just, 
That's right. It's, I was with the women. That's right. Yep. It's all it is cracked up to be, you know, like the whole March Madness out there in Vegas. I don't think I like as a working, I'll probably ever be able to go for that first weekend. Right. Cause it's just, there's always something. Uh, but like, I think that I got to experience what would be the best scenario for me, which would be out there on that second weekend. Because in Vegas, all those games are starting at like three o'clock, right? Like, yeah, the Sweet Sixteen games. It it was it was incredible. So Circa has the odds. I want to get to the. We'll do this Big Ten East, and then we'll kind of slip into some of these Big Ten West teams. PJ Fleck is just he was on like a rampage out there. Uh, I want to talk about this Wisconsin <laughs> air raid, and I. I'm uh, very familiar with Matt Rule and his years in the Big 12, so we'll get to them too. So Circa basically has Michigan and Ohio State as even to win the Big 10 East. They actually have Michigan as a very ever-so-slight favorite, like 10 points. And then you have Penn State behind that. I didn't realize this, Chad, until I was doing some research this morning, that James Franklin is only 4-14 and against Michigan and Ohio State in his career at Penn State. If you take that out, he's been phenomenal at Penn State, but he can't seem to get over the hump to beat those teams. What do you think about Penn State this year? Do they have a shot? Yeah, I do. I think they do have a shot. Um, they bring back their entire offensive line. Um, that's that's one been one of the knocks on Franklin's program is he does not have uh, – a good enough old line, uh, but but finally last year they 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 built into to a old line that was pretty good. I mean they they only lost two games last year, um, and they bring they have a first round pick uh, at left tackle coming back, so he stayed, and they have uh, great running backs. I mean Singleton is outstanding, and I think I mean I think a lot of people think Drew Aller the quarterback is going to be. I mean Clifford was like. Man, <laughs> held together by duct tape last year. I mean, he mm-hmm. he was. Uh, I think they think Aller's going to be a lot better. You know, it just it just is it. Does he do it this year? Uh, that's the thing. Um, you know, whenever get, you say Clifford, I can only think of that Iowa game from two yeah. years ago, where yeah. he like went. They couldn't even like get a snap off with this other guy in there. Is that the same guy who was the backup that day? No, no. Okay, I was no, gonna say because I'm taking the under. If that's the case, I don't know anything about him. If that's the guy, I'm taking the under. My yeah. God, I've seen Penn State's win totals nine and a half, and uh, Ooh. uh, you know, I'm inclined to go over with that. But okay, then you, but then you're like, well, they got to play Michigan State, Ohio State, and I. They do host Iowa, um, and you know, they're at Illinois. I mean, there's, I don't know, but anyway. Illinois, I, th- I have sources. Okay. Illinois thinks they're going to be really good. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like Illinois is getting overlooked. I really do. They I mean, think they, that they're going to be really good. I mean, Bielum is a good coach. I, I don't know how good their quarterback positions be. That's the only thing I'm I'm not sure about. But they're going to have, always have a good defense with Bielema. They're going to be good in the trenches with Bielema. Anyway, so that Penn State plays at Illinois the week before they host Iowa for the whiteout. So that's – Really interesting early season for Penn State. Yeah, huge but, stretch. So yeah, it, I th- I think Penn State's got a shot this year. I do because I, uh, and I'm actually uh, inher- inheriting the AP top twenty five ballot this year. So I know that's a lot of pressure. Uh, RIP Steve oh. Batterson. Uh, yeah, but uh, really, that's uh, and shout out to Steve. Yeah, that yeah. was a really sad story. He passed away this year. So that. So you you've got oh man so now people are going to be I know combing through the ballots and like pointing <laughs> you out when you make a stupid selection. I've been yeah. that guy. So <laughs> so I, I what I'm saying is like I feel like I'm I haven't so my ballot is due Tuesday. So I'm ca- I'm kind of in the range where I've got Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State kind of in that 3 through 6 range right now nationally and um that's how good I think all these teams are. So I don't know where I'm going to settle with them, but that's kind of like three to seven, maybe something like that. Um, so I think Penn State's legit. They host uh, Michigan and they're at Ohio State this year. So that'll be a tough game for Michigan over there. But I don't know. It's going to be a really crazy Big Ten East, I feel like. Michigan brings back uh, all all of its offensive line except the center. And they would run the 
you know, won the, uh, what you call it, Joe Moore Award last year. And uh, they bring back, you know, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. I mean, they should be really good. But then they lose. I mean, that was another story this week, Chris, was Jim Harbaugh, you know. Yeah, he's out, out, four, out games. four games. I mean, it has to. I know it's four cupcakes, but still. The only thing about it that I found weird is that they're letting him do everything except physically be out on the field. Yeah. Like, he can do weird. practice. He can... He can it wasn't be much on, of a like, punishment, yeah. Like, I really don't – I mean, as long as your coordinators don't suck, it feels like that's not that big of a deal. You know, if he's like, you can't be around the program for four weeks, oh, okay, that's huge. You know, but this, like, to me, it's a little bit hollow. And I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but I know that he, like, he really did cheat. Like, it wasn't – there wasn't like much gray area. It was like you met with a kid when you weren't like, and he couldn't really get out he of lied it. About it. Yeah. Well, he, he lied, lied about it. it. Yeah. And that's where they get pissed. Yeah. You know, cause that's, that's their whole deal. Like if you lie <laughs> to the investigators, that's when they get, they get really mad and they, they crank up your suspension. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Cause then, then like his first game back is at Nebraska. I thought is what I saw. And yeah, let's, let's just, let's go into them. Well, real quick too, the the Ohio State people are are earmuffs kids. They are just batshit crazy. These these people that are like questioning Ryan Day because he's lost yeah. two games to Michigan. It's like you people are nuts. Yeah, you people. Like, I I can't like. It's just funny. Like our Iowa and Iowa State fans who are watching and listening. They bitch at each other about like, oh well, you stole the color black, and no, oh, well, you guys like. We invented beer and like you know, and it's all this like petty stuff. Michigan and Ohio State fans, like, they legitimately hate one another. Like this guy's lost like two games in four years or whatever, and you all want him fired. Because yeah, he, he, I think he's thirty one and two in the Big Ten. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> he's lost four games total and the other ones were playoff games. Yeah. Yeah. And just because he struggled with Michigan, it's like there's this aspect of them. Oh, you can't be our coach. We can't. We have to go undefeated against these guys every. It's just crazy to me. I can't yeah. even comprehend it. Yeah, and uh, you know they. The biggest question for them is quarterback, right? So, but they have two super highly touted recruits. I mean, McCord and Devin Brown, both kind of competing for the job. But uh, yeah, their receivers are ridiculous. I mean, they they bring back Marvin Harrison Jr., who's <laughs> oh man, and I I've heard on the side how what he's getting for NIL and it's crazy. I mean, and I believe it. and I believe it too. I know that's what's, that's what's crazy, but uh, uh, they're yeah. they're just so loaded. It's hard for well, me to imagine them losing to I, three times in a row. I've been saying for years, Chad, that I thought there's going to be a way where NIL will even things out. And it's like Caleb Brown going to Iowa, that type of a thing. I mean, a guy like that doesn't want to be buried fourth string until he's, you know, a third-year guy. Like, there's going to be a lot more stories of that sure. in college football. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, th I feel like Iowa has really handled the NIL stuff pretty well from a football perspective because they, they've not gone away from their, you know – development high school recruiting all that but they're plug-in needs you know they're not mm -hmm. and they're not going crazy with price tags um from i'm nothing i nothing crazy from any anything i've heard for iowa um they're just kind of getting guys that you know that want to be good and you know like Cade mcnamara wants to play with a good defense you know and and start so i mean you're just finding good fits is what i'm saying so I think that's a good that's that's kind of the path, right? Matt so Rule, would, you can't um, promise you can't promise like yeah millions to lots of guys. You just don't have the money for that. You don't have the money for it, and then there's a real aspect of the creating dissension in a locker room too. Like that is mm -hmm. that is a real thing that I don't. I know was talked about as all as this was going on, but the more coaches you talk to, like I especially in basketball, I know has really been a thing yeah. across the country if you talk to people.
Yeah. And then they're not getting paid on time all the time. And like, and if you're a coach, you can't control that. Like you don't control where that money's coming from. Right. But then the player's pissed at you. Yeah. That's Ference's number one thing is the locker room stuff. And so, so I don't see Iowa radically changing at all as, as long as he's in charge. Matt Rule makes his debut as the Nebraska head coach. A little bit of a different vibe than Scott Frost. I felt like Rule's a really good talker. I've seen him talk a lot. He He's kind of – man, you could see if that guy walks into your, your living room how he could win over a recruit's family pretty quickly. He I, I've always liked him on the podium more than I do behind the scenes and, and on the on the field. But, man, you really can't deny what they're doing. They've brought in players. I'm um, really questioning this quarterback from Georgia Tech, Jeff Sims, and, and how that will look. Of course, Casey Thompson no longer there. What What is your read on Nebraska? Because they feel like, to me, I could say Nebraska, Illinois, and probably not Wisconsin. Nebraska and Illinois really to me are like when I look at that Iowa schedule and I'm looking at their over under it's like they could be tricky, right? Like in those specific spots that they are in. Like I don't think Purdue will give Iowa problems this year. Northwestern's a total mess at this point. Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois I think would be the three where I'm like I'm really not comfortable going into that game. I feel like Iowa would be favorite favorited in those games, but I think any of those three programs could be at a point where they could jump up and bite you too. Starting with Nebraska, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I was really impressed with Matt Rule, and I also I got the vibe from him that they're not making any promises about this season. I think it's going to be a developmental type thing with him. I don't think they're going to – I don't think this is their year probably. Um, yeah. I'd be surprised if it is, but – uh, from an Iowa point of view, I mean they they don't play them till week twelve, so you're, that's tough. You'd yeah, rather get them early. Yeah, exactly. So I think that is kind of a very tricky part of the schedule, as you say, Chris. Um, and their last two games are Illinois and Nebraska. It may kind of like seem like a pretty easy November on paper because you get Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska, but uh, those last two can be really really tricky. Like you said, I mean they could be. Heck, they could be like nine and one or something. I mean, potentially going into those mm-hmm. last two and then, you know, have it fall apart just because those are two really well coached teams in the Big Ten West that really want to beat Iowa. Um, so it actually did last year. Both of them did. So um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, Sims, I don't know. That's like the Big Ten West is interesting because there's six transfer quarterbacks uh, in the league in the West. I mean, out of seven teams. And he's uh, he's a little bit more of a mystery to me. I, I think Tanner yeah. Mordecai at Wisconsin is going to be excellent. Uh, I think Hudson Card at Purdue is actually going to be really good. Um, that I've heard really good things about him. So he's a good player. Yeah. So those two, I feel really good about the Northwestern situation. They have a transfer that I mean, I don't even think he's that good. So am um, I overlooking Purdue? Do you think? Cause... Uh, I, yeah, it doesn't sound like they have a ton at receiver yet. So okay. I'm. Interested to see how that works, but they have Graham Harrell as OC, and um, I mean, I, I like that Ryan Walters. I mean, heck, he's are they running the air raid too? The, uh, I don't know if it's called the air raid, but whatever Graham Harrell runs, it's it's like wide open. It might be. Well, might Graham be Harrell that. played the air raid. Okay, well, it probably is then. It's probably like a well, the, like a true air raid, and there's all these variations and stuff of it. Now, I actually did you listen to my deal with Hal Mummy? Hal Mummy a couple weeks ago. Oh, I need to. You but have I to go listen to my it. story. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible. Like, because I I saw that you wrote about him in your in your column on Wisconsin. Yeah, Aiden and I had him on the podcast here like two weeks ago. He was oh, phenomenal. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. it was. It was it was it was incredible. Everybody should go because he's the guy who invented the air raid, and Mike Leach was his offensive coordinator, and then the whole thing kind of spread from there. This Wisconsin running the air raid thing, and I haven't had a chance to look too much into the pedigree of this Phil Longo, the new offensive coordinator there under Luke Fickle, 
but he comes from North Carolina, who's put up a ton of numbers, obviously, the last couple of years under Mac Brown. That'll look really weird when you turn on a Wisconsin game and they're four or five wide, and and, and that was a really big point of conversation this week with because you just don't think of Wisconsin doing that. But I, Luke Fickle doesn't really give a damn about what Wisconsin football is in our minds is the thing I got. Like he's he's all in on this and um, get ready for But it, it does. It's like there's for, – for Iowa people, you're like, oh, we always know we got that Wisconsin game where we're going to, yeah. you know, 10 to 9 or, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like it's going to be like that anymore. No, uh, I asked – Morde- uh, Tanner Mordecai I was like are you guys gonna like do a lot of no huddle he's like yeah we don't huddle <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that's like I mean that's the thing they talk about on like the Iowa broadcast is like this is a team that still huddles and uses a fullback and you know Iowa did not change so it's kind of an interesting test case you know because Iowa fans have been wanting like radical <laughs> change on offense and like Wisconsin's actually doing it and it's we're gonna crazy. see how it, we're gonna see how it works in like a northern climate in November, you know. I, don't so know. I always I, said for the longest time, Wisconsin's always been the same thing as Iowa. It's just they do it better yeah. offensively. Like that's just kind of how it's been. And now, and they're like, screw it, we're throwing in the towel. We're not doing this anymore. And Fickle's just he's just going crazy with this. And then they got the kid from SMU, so they actually have a quarterback that knows how to play like this, who's thrown it around before. He's been doing Texas 7-on-7 seven seven stuff his entire life. It, uh, Your Big Ten, man, your Big Ten is changing. You've got, you've yeah. got California schools coming. We've got freaking Wisconsin running an air raid. Like, what in the hell is happening to this league? It's like bizarre world. Ference ain't changing though. He's <laughs> I was still the I was still the same. I'll say this: when I started doing, when I started at KXNO, which would have been like eight or nine years ago, and I started to really have to watch the Big Ten like closely. Mm-hmm. In the past, I would watch it when I'm in the press, but it wasn't like a job. I was bored to tears with the Big Ten. <laughs> If I hated it, because you know I'm coming from the Big Twelve where everything's air raid. You got Gundy, Leach, you know, these guys that are, I mean, they they may as well be smoking on the sidelines the way that they were, you know, Bryles, you know, you had McCarney, like, it, and then I went to the Big Ten and it was so boring to me. It's like they're huddling, you know, it's these cold weather teams. And now, like, I think the Big Ten is just so much more of a sexy league to watch on Saturday compared to, because it's like, you know, the Michigan and Ohio State are always interesting. Franklin talks all the time. Um, with You've just got real personality. I think Rule is going to be great for the league. I really do. Fleck is just this, like, I always say Fleck's like a chihuahua. He just, you know, he's this little guy that talks a lot, but he will jump up and bite you, and it will hurt if he does. And I know I'm missing out on teams, too, but it's like this league's fascinating now. Yeah, uh, no question about it. And I think Fickle's Fickle's doing it. I think he's doing it the right way. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it works. I mean, Brett Bielema even said he's like, ah, there could be a lot of landmines with that. But uh, you know, they're recruiting really well right now. Wisconsin is, which is you know, and uh, it's really not that much different of a climate than like Michigan. So. Um, uh, they're recruiting in like Pennsylvania. That's where like Fickle has a lot of ties, and his coaches have a lot of ties. So they're getting they're they're recruiting like a little bit more, you know, in that area. And I mean Braylon Allen, they have you know basically Jonathan Taylor Light uh, in the backfield. And you asked about Phil Longo. I mean when he was at North Carolina, they had uh, two one thousand yard rushers in the same season when he was coordinating the air raid. So they their run pass splits are still pretty balanced. Um, and yeah, that's those... the one thing people don't understand about the air raid and so, spreads in general. It's I heard that for years that it's all pa- it's it's really not the passing doesn't really work unless you're able to run the ball. Exactly. So it's really going to be fascinating to see how many points Wisconsin can put up. And can I can I have that some of these the defense? Can I have some of these Wisconsin people apologize? All of you Big Ten people need to apologize. You, you made fun of the Big 12 for all these years, and now you're all doing the same damn thing, other than Iowa. I thought you were going to bring up Paul Christ. 
<laughs> well, I was going to say the league got a lot more interesting when that dinosaur left because he is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can I have some props though? I called that one like the second, yeah. like the guy. Uh, what, whatever. I don't need yeah. to. I don't need to dance on his grave. <laughs> uh, last thing I had was PJ Flack. Yeah. So this report comes out, and you often see this, like when scandals break in college athletics. That if one comes, you're probably going to get another story in a couple weeks. Remember when they tried to get Bayheim after the Paterno thing, and like you know, so. Fitzgerald's out at Northwestern, so now it was front office sports. I I don't know anything about their reporting, but I do know I read their stuff. It seems fine to me. They reported toxic and intimidating culture at Minnesota. Um, stuff called the Fleck Bank, where guys could um, do stuff in the community to get drug tests, you know, t- to pass drug tests. Like, a lot of damning stuff. I mean, if it's true, like... Guy should be fired. That, that was in this report. Fleck was ready for it, mm-hmm. and and I gotta say, like, and and I don't know enough about any of this, like, so I'm. But just from what I read, Chad, like, I I kind of take Fleck's side on most of this. Like, he convinced me that there's really that he's just crazy, and some and a lot of these coaches are. Fleck's just kind of nuts, and some people take it the wrong way. Like, I don't I don't necessarily think there's much to this. What do you What do you think? Well, I would encourage folks to read uh, Scott Docterman's piece over at The Athletic, our friend. Uh, he had he actually got a one-on-one with Fleck. I was sitting right next to Scott, and he's like, yeah, I just talked to Fleck for 15 minutes. And uh, he wrote about it. And, and, yeah, it was quite the contrast to the Northwestern stuff because, you know, Fleck is coming out swinging, like actually responding to these allegations like immediately, you know, yeah. whereas Northwestern just goes into a bunker and just lets <laughs> – let's the other side have the narrative for three, four weeks. So, um, yeah, it was, I think my conclusion, and I don't want to get into every single detail, uh, cause it would take too long, but my conclusion is basically he's kind of a, a weird guy, like not necessarily in a bad way, but just, he just is so different in how he runs his program. And I think like the, like, here's the one example, like that, the, the story talked about was like the strength coach would instruct guys to applaud for Fleck when he, every time he enters the room, you're like, Oh my God, like how weird is that? Like that, you know, when you see Fleck running out in yeah. the, of the tunnel ahead of everyone, like it's all about him. That's how I think a lot of us view that, you know, it's like, God, why does he have to like run out in front of the team? And like, um, but you know, he even had an answer for that. He's just like, that's my way of making sure like, the guys have a lot of energy, like, you know, yeah. and they're ready for like the message or whatever to me, you know, not like he's walking into a room where there's just like, you know, guys on their phones, you know, Hey, 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 can I get everyone's attention? It's just like, you get everyone's attention with this. That was his explanation. And it makes sense. It's kind of weird, but you know, yeah. <laughs> like but I if you're ask, around, I feel like if you yeah. know Fleck, you're like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, there was some stuff in there about, like, guys that prayed with him, like, got Fleck bank credits and stuff like that. And who knows? I mean, maybe. But maybe that's also, like, trusted leaders on the team happen to be Christian guys like Fleck is and, you know, really good players and really good leaders and keep their lockers clean, show up on time all the time. And, you know, like, and you get the benefit of the doubt with those guys, you know. I know people who have – I know guys who have worked for him. And many love him, and others just despise the man. I just think he's that type of a guy. I do too. Yeah, that's that, that's a conclusion I've come through from many years now. I know there's yeah. no love lost with Iowa coaches. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who do the Iowa coaches like? They like Iowa State. They do. oh, they do. Okay, they, they have a lot of respect for Matt Campbell and and what yeah. they do. I, they want to beat him. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I would say. I always felt like Matt and Kirk have that. They, that I mean, they're basically building things the same way. I feel they like. really are. Yeah, um, I would say uh, Minnesota, Penn State, probably. Right <laughs> oh God, that one, Penn two, State deal. One two, one two. Pick your order would be my guess of my my educated guess on the animosity level, and I don't think there's like a lot of love for Michigan or Ohio State either, but not like the other two. Well, it's going to be interesting. I think that uh, I think the Big Ten's fascinating. 
I think both leagues are really great this year, actually. The Big 12 doesn't have the firepower, but it's got, like, any none of those teams suck anymore. Kansas doesn't suck anymore. So it's like right. they're just going to beat the hell out of each other like you saw a year ago. Oh, I still can't believe TCU made it all the way to the semifinal game, but I, re- I regress. Final. Chad, thank you. I appreciate it. This has been a blast. We're going to do more of this together. Uh, we did that CW pod a couple weeks ago, and people really, really liked it. And they said, we want more lice to go. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't all about I don't know if I believe you. No, I'm serious. They loved it. They really did. Aiden, didn't we? We were getting all sorts of people. They were wanting they were wanting oh, yeah. more lice. I'll be leading the train, too. I want more chai lice to come. Okay, there you go. <laughs> all right. Aiden's yeah. a punk Iowa State student, too. So <laughs> You guys are too kind, so appreciate well, it. Well, we appreciate all of your help uh, with us um, covering the, the events over there in Indianapolis. And can't wait for the season. I'm sure I'll talk to you again before then. He's Chad Lysko with the Des Moines Register, CW Pod. All, again, all that coverage in Big Ten and Big 12 Media Days the last couple of weeks has been presented by our friends at Kelderman Manufacturing. I'll be back. We we had a big announcement over the weekend that we are starting a, we're starting to do weather. I'll explain this more in detail this week, but we brought in uh, former Channel 13 meteorologist Amber Alexander to start doing weather forecasts for us here on Iowa Everywhere. And she's going to join me at some point this week. We're going to talk about what that entails. But we have a lot of positive things coming here and announcements over the next couple weeks. So thank you. If you haven't subscribed, please do wherever you want to get your content. And uh, thanks for listening today. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Appreciate Chad Lysico and Aiden Wyatt joining me on a Saturday. Have a great week if you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday, and we'll be back soon here on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.